Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Prepare for glory! I don't know if you got your popcorn ready. Proud members of the Full-Time Fantasy Podcast Network. You can find them at FTFPodNet on Twitter and FullTimeFantasy.com where you can find great podcasts like Jim Day of FF Champs, Adam Rodas and Dr. Roto of SiriusXM Radio, Bob Lung of the award-winning Fantasy Football Consistency Guide, Anthony Servino of FF Faceoff, and many others, again, including Dennis and myself. Again, we are all, we are just super proud to be a part of this network. Great group of guys and a great opportunity for us and just a ton of great content and podcasts so be sure to check them out we've got a uh interesting little episode for you guys today is we're jumping back into the camp battles we will be doing the nfc south today uh so me and dennis will continue that knock that out as we have uh camp starting back up in a about eight days, I believe it is. So a little over a week, uh, we'll have our first NFL camp. So we want to knock these last few camp battles out before all of that happens. And, of course, I mean, we can't do this, or I can't do this without Dennis. As his, he is here with me. So, Dennis, what is going on? How was your weekend? You know, I had a great weekend. It was hot as hell in Gettysburg. But uh, other than that, you know, it was pretty wonderful. Had some good times with the kids. Got to see some Civil War reenactment and uh, listen to Lincoln give his Gettysburg address. That is, so. that is uh, that's pretty cool. Did you guys get to see fireworks or anything while you guys did all that? We did. The fire, they had fireworks at the uh, local college there, Gettysburg College. Uh-huh. So we, we left uh, Thursday morning and got in about... I don't know, 6 o'clock in the afternoon, had a little dinner, went and saw some fireworks, so it was pretty sweet. Very nice. I was, uh, I, I unfortunately did not get to see any fireworks this weekend, but that's not really that big a deal for me, and my, my kids don't know the difference at the moment, so I'm, I'm, I'm okay with that right now. Uh, before we, we jump into the camp battles, as I was just mentioning a minute ago, a couple housekeeping things here, so we will announce... For those of you who are in the Listener League, for those who aren't, this may not be that big of an issue for you, but we will do our live, uh, I guess, 
what's what's the word I'm looking for? Reveal. We will reveal our draft order live here at the end of the episode. And we also want to shout out that, again, we talked about it a little bit at the end of the last episode, but just talk about it a little bit more. We will be live, the Fantasy Football Roundtable, from Radio Row at the FFWC on September 6th and 7th from the Palms Resort in Vegas for the Fantasy Football World Championships, which goes through the September 5th through the 8th. So that opening Thursday of uh, the NFL season through that Sunday, there'll be all kinds of drafts and everything going on there. You guys can come out and see us if you'll be in Vegas. I know some of that stuff will be live on SiriusXM Radio. You can listen to that. Maybe. You'll catch me and Dennis on there. We'll see what happens. A lot of those people will be will be there. I know I listen to that stuff uh, every year when that stuff's on there. And then obviously we will be there as well recording live from Radio Row. Uh, can't wait to do that. Should be a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to it. I'm going to try to push my way onto Sirius. I'll see if I can track down Bob Harris or, uh, you know, any of those guys there. You know, uh, oh, shoot, I can't remember who I listened to in the morning on the way to work now. It's escaping me, Adam Kaplan and oh, Adam Kaplan, old Adam Kaplan. Uh, what's uh, John Hanson, right? Fantasy John Hanson, that's the guy. Dang it, yeah. man, it sucks getting old. Oh, I hear you. I, I listen to John Hanson as well. I like him. I don't, I don't know if he'll be there, but I would. I would love to see if they were. I, I listen. I've listened to John Hanson for quite a couple of years now. I, li- I like Mr. Hanson. All right. And so. that the uh, the opening party there on uh, the first night Thursday. That's. That's supposed to be a great, great, uh, great big ball of fun. So, oh, I imagine it will be for you. I will not be able to attend that, but I know you're trying. To, are you? Are you for sure going to be out there for that? You know, it's it's right now. It's it's close. I, the plan is yes. Gotcha. The, the plan is yes. So, well, we'll see. If you make we'll it see. out there, you gotta have. You're gonna have to live stream some stuff from Twitter. That that's the other thing we talked about. I, I'm gonna attempt to do that everybody we'll, we'll see what happens but i do uh i would also like to do a couple live things with me and dennis while we're there so if you guys have questions or want to see different stuff uh, i'm going to attempt to do some live streaming stuff from my phone on twitter we might even live stream half the episode from the from my laptop as we're recording and just kind of show you guys different stuff it's going to be quite an experience for us and we want to kind of bring in a way you guys along with us so uh, yeah, that party, it sounds like it's going to be amazing. I wish I could, but my problem is if I were to try and call in sick to fly out there, I've got a lot of loud mouths that I work with, and then someone would say something to my boss's boss, and then it would just be all kinds of hell for me. So I will not. Yeah, you'll probably run there. into your boss out there is probably what would happen. Yeah, that would probably be just my luck, which maybe wouldn't be such a bad thing because he wouldn't be able to get off either, so then maybe it would be kind of like the, one of those, hey, let's just, you know, neither one of us saw each other. You know what happens in Vegas days in Vegas kind of thing. But I doubt that's the way that it would go down for me. So I will not be able to be there, but I, I, I think it's going to be awesome. I think the whole weekend's going to be awesome. So I, I'm right there with you. I'm super excited for, for that to get here and see how all that goes down. All right, so we're starting again. Like uh, as I, Again, I, I mentioned the intro. I already brought it up again, but we're doing camp battles. We want to try and finish this out as a uh, – I mentioned the the first training camp opens up, and I believe it's eight days from now. So we're we're getting close to the start of camps and everything like this. So we want to finish out this camp battle series, so you guys kind of know what to look for uh, for the, everything going on in camp leading up to the preseason games. And we're going to do the NFC South today. Obviously, with the Saints, there is no battle at quarterback. We know Drew Brees is the quarterback for now. Um, actually, didn't put it in the notes here, but just have a quick question for you on that before we move on. Do you think Taysom Hill is the answer in the future for New Orleans, or do you think that that is yet to be addressed? 
I do not think Taysom Hill is the answer in the future. I think Taysom Hill will continue to be a gadget guy. Um, I'd like to think Teddy is the answer, mm-hmm. but I, I don't know how much longer Teddy wants to hang around if, if uh, Breeze doesn't retire. Yeah. But Taysom, I, and I, don't, I don't think so. I, though, given the uh, advent of the... Uh, you know, the recent reincarnation of the running quarterback, who knows, maybe Hill is the answer. Yeah, that, I was just curious because, I mean, we haven't seen him throw the ball much, and I would imagine he can't be worse than Lamar Jackson. So I was just curious on your thoughts there. Like, I agree, I, I think Teddy would be, but then that is the big question is how much longer is he willing to sit there behind Drew Brees, even if he was promised the keys to the kingdom, so to say, after Drew Brees leaves, if Drew Brees decides he wants to play for three, four, five more years, is Teddy willing to sit that long? Uh, so at the running back position, I don't want to say there's necessarily a battle here. We know Alvin Kamara is going to be the guy and have some kind of split with Latavius Murray. I, um, It's interesting. So my opinion on this, I don't think Latavius Murray is quite as worth what a lot of other people do with the way that he is being drafted. A lot of people, I think, think he's going to be Mark Ingram. I don't see him getting that kind of workload. But I also don't see Alvin Kamara getting quite the workload uh, that others think, I don't think he's just going to be the guy and, and be handed the ball 20, 30 times a game. I just don't see that happening. Um, but the real battle there is with uh, – I'm, I'm horrible with saying this kid's name too. Is it is it Ozigbo? Ozigbo. Ozigbo. Okay. So Divine yeah. Ozigbo and Javorius Allen, they're both going to be kind of those guys who come in and spell – Kamara at times both can catch the ball. Both are, well, Divine is a decent runner. Allen, I would say, is more of just a receiving back. So do you see either one of those guys getting any kind of run behind Kamara and Murray, or do you think it's just going to be the Kamara-Murray show unless one, uh, assuming one of them, they don't get hurt? Yeah, I I would expect um, that Ozigbo and, and Allen uh, only see the field uh in mop-up and injury scenarios. You know, Murray, is a, he's a solid back. He's got the build to handle that inside running. I don't think he has terrific vision. Um, he does run awful upright, but he, he's got really good speed. If he can get through the hole, he can take it all the way. Kamara, I think they showed last year that for a short stretch, they're willing to let him carry the load, but they know that in order for him to be at his best, that they need to get him in space, and the best way to get him in space is to throw him passes. So Kamara strikes me as a you know two hundred ish carry guy, two hundred carries, eighty five ninety maybe even a hundred targets. So that that's a, and that's a heavy workload. Um, you know Murray, I could see him getting one hundred and fifty carries maybe. You know, and then Allen Al, Allen is. Yes, he's real a real good pass protector, and he catches just about everything thrown at him. But he isn't going to get you anything after he catches it. Yeah. Um, he, he's he's, you know, just that career jag. Ozigbo is somebody I I could see Ozigbo flashing enough that uh, depending on I don't have Murray's contract situation in front of me, but. If Ozigbo shows anything this year, I could see him uh, pushing Murray uh, out the door. You know, he could be, Ozigbo would be cheaper. It would depend on uh, 
what the Murray contract hit is next year. So, uh, so Murray's contract for the next three years is right under three million a year. So he's it's actually only a base salary of a million this year, and then in twenty twenty it's twenty eight million or not twenty eight million two million eight hundred thousand, and then uh, twenty twenty one two ninety five, and then two ninety five, and then unrestricted free agent twenty twenty three. But what is what is his cap hit or and dead cap if they cut him? Does it? Uh, his, are you looking at spot track? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So his cap hit would be seventeen, uh, one mil seven hundred in uh, twenty twenty one. Five mil though in twenty twenty if they were to cut him next year, and then only eight hundred fifty thousand in twenty twenty two. So well, so if they they so that they have to cut him after this year, uh, or I they mean, end up with a. A big cap hit? No, no. They would have to wait until after 2020. I mean, it depends on what you... Do you think four mil is a big cap hit? I mean, I, I wouldn't want to cut him and take it four mil... Or, sorry, five mil cap hit, but that's not that bad. If they cut him after this year, it's seven mil. And then after next year, it's five mil. And then after that, it falls off a cliff. It, it's a million dollars, pretty much. A million dollars and 850000 So you're, you're looking at... If they were to cut him, I would assume it would be in the 2021 season. Because that's when the cap hit falls off. Yeah, I could see, you know. But again, it comes down to what what do they, how, how do they, yeah, boy, that's a pretty good big cap hit for a yeah. backup running back, I guess, as I sit here and look at it, five, over $5 million. Yeah, that's why I would, I would assume that they wouldn't. But then again, it, it, this also goes back to something we talked about with, um, Oh, who was it? It was a wide receiver. Paul Richardson in Washington. Because we're uh, kind of talking about all the, the guys there. If if Odzigbo is better, he's going to get on the field. They'll just figure out a way to leave Murray on the bench, even though they have to pay him for the next couple of years. And right. maybe they will just cut him. Because as we both agree, I believe, in, in talent overrules the money that they're paying you. So I agree with everything you're saying. I would just imagine. And it, w- it wouldn't hurt, I would think, to keep Latavius Murray also just because of the volatility at the running back position as well. You've got a guy who's proven in case like Zigbo or um, – why did I just forget his name? Alvin Kamara get hurt. You have a guy like Latavius Murray who can step right in at least for the next couple of years. Yeah, yeah, that's you know it makes you want to have depth. Yeah, exactly. You know, and it's it's not an overwhelmingly high cap number, so makes sense to keep him. Kind of it's a bummer for Ozigbo, but yeah. I guess if he, if Ozigbo's better, they'll play him. Agreed. So the wide receiver position for the the Saints is extremely interesting because really outside of Michael Thomas, I don't think any of these guys are getting a lot of talk. I could be wrong on that. I do know that there are some Traquan Smith believers, especially after he showed out in two games last year. So there are a lot of people that believe that he could be the answer there. But obviously we know Michael Thomas, he's he's solidified. He's the number one there. He's a rock star. He's a stud. There's no worries about him. The second and third wide receiver position spots, my goodness, I cannot speak. Uh, Traquan Smith, Cameron Meredith, Rashard Matthews, Keith Kirkwood, Little Jordan Humphrey, Chad Hansen, Ted Ginn Jr., Simi Cobbs, Austin Carr, Emmanuel Butler. Do you think, or who, out of all those guys mentioned, do you think there's one or two that could be fantasy relevant and who is really battling for those last two spots in New Orleans? Well, how could you forget our guy, Teddy Ginn? I mentioned Ted Ginn. I mentioned him right oh. before Simi Cods. Oh, okay. 
Oh, I guess I, I'm looking at the show sheet. Yeah, I forgot to put them on there. I was reading off the, the actual roster here. I was looking at different right stuff for them. My bad. No, you're good. Um, no I, I think Ginn is going to hold on to that number two spot because he plays, you know, he has the speed to take the lid off. He, he's fast, and he's turned himself into a number two wide receiver on a team after a relatively uh, uh, inauspicious start to his career. Um, you know, there was a while there where I think uh, it was widely con- widely believed that he was going to flame out and, you know, be the, the next Cordero Patterson or the first Cordero Patterson, I guess. You know, <laughs> it'd be interesting to see if Patterson kind of follows and uh, learns anything from Ted Ginn because uh, Ginn was on his way to being just a return man, and that was it. And he he's turned himself into a, a, a really good wide receiver that plays a, a very specific role. Um, after that, you know, I don't think Meredith makes the team. He's still having some medical issues. Uh, he's not fully recovered. I like Simi Cobbs and Emmanuel Butler. They're young guys. Uh, Traquan has to get consistent. He hasn't showed that. Keith Kirkwood is is pushing, but I don't think he's been consistent either. So it, it's really going to come down to uh, who's going to who's going to who's going to take the slot role. You know, yeah. are they going to just move Michael Thomas into the slot because and let him play that big slot? Uh, is Austin Carr going to step into it and and, and take that role? Um, you know, Simi Cobbs is another big receiver. Emmanuel Butler is a big receiver. Keith Kirkwood is a big receiver. You know, I think Austin Carr is really the only one that kind of fits that. Well, he's six one too. Looking at him, so you know they don't have a they they don't have those little quick guys really. Where'd my depth chart go now? Um, so it's really gonna depend on training camp i it's one of those this is definitely a team that if you're looking for if you're playing in a deep league they've got they've got a handful of dart throws uh you know it's going to be michael thomas it's going to be ted ginn it's going to be alvin kamara uh the number four option is going to come down to latavius murray and jared cook really so you know that it's a top heavy team when it comes to fantasy production yeah, I mean, for fantasy, I would avoid pretty much everybody here outside of Ted Ginn and best ball. I, I would even be hesitant to get him in any kind of dynasty or redraft situation. Maybe a decent plug-and-play hope that the week you plug him in, he's going to go off for you. There's even no guarantee there. I would think outside of Michael Thomas, uh, I would avoid all these guys. I mean, we've seen good seasons out of Richard Matthews. We've seen a good season out of Cameron Meredith. We just don't know what either one of them is going to be in New Orleans. Obviously, a lot of people, again, are, are enticed by Traquan Smith and his ability. What he, we saw, again, only out of a couple games from him, though, last year. He was not at all consistent. So, 
I'm right there with you. I think this is one of those battles that you just really are going to have to watch. If I had to pick a guy, I think it would be Traquan Smith. They did draft him. Uh, he does have some speed. Again, he, he is big. Not, I shouldn't say big, but he's 6'2". I think he was like two, yeah, 210. So he, he's a, a decent-sized wide receiver, but he could be a good slot player. He would be the guy I would guess is going to end up winning that spot. But right now, I'm right there with you. I think it, it's it's Thomas again, and then everything else is just up for grabs here in this offense. Uh, tight end, I just wanted to get your thoughts on it really quick. Again, I, I don't think there's much of a battle here. Uh, Jared Cook, again, got brought over in the offseason. They have uh, was Dan Arnold, uh, Garrett Griffin, Josh Hill, and then a guy I really like in Elise Mack uh, out of Notre Dame, but he's not someone who's going to produce at all this year. Definitely a guy I would, I would grab and roster in Dynasty Leagues. I think he's got a lot of skill and a lot of upside. Uh, but I just wanted to get your thoughts really quick on Jared Cook. We saw him kind of blow up and onto the scene last year in Oakland. Had a really good year, mostly because he was kind of the only worthy receiving target once Amari Cooper went down with the injury. Your thoughts on him possibly being able to repeat as a top five tight end in New Orleans. Now that, again, he is with Drew Brees and everybody, I think, is wanting to make the comparison of when Jimmy Graham was there and how good he was uh, being paired there with Brees. Do you think Cook has that kind of upside? Well, I think he showed last year um, and in years before that he does have that upside. Um, but he's also showed that he can be wildly inconsistent, too. Uh, you know, last year he had three games, uh, four games over nine targets. And let's see, one, two, four games with four targets or under. So, that you know, half of his games were boom and half of them were bust. Uh, the rest of them were, were, you know, pretty much in the middle. Uh, can he... Produce regularly. You know, we had Bob Lung on, and I, I don't have uh, Jared Cook's consistency score in front of me, uh, but I, I'm pretty sure we talked a little bit about Cook, and, uh, you know, he did not score high in the consistency ratings. No, yeah. He's going to be the guy. He's going to be the guy there, though. So, you know, that for, for whatever that means, I, I think he's going to be the starter. I think. Uh, uh, Hill will be the second tight end. Hill had his chance to take the role and run with it. Uh, he didn't, so now they've, they've brought in uh, Cook. And and at this stage of the game, I mean, Cook is, what what is he, eight, nine, ten years in? Yes. You know, he, he's, a, he's a journeyman now. He's ten years into his career. Last year was his high in targets at 101. Um relatively consistent catch rate uh low 60s so he'll pre- he's gonna have some games you just much like ted ginn he, he play him in best ball but if you can uh if he can have a a couple good games to start the year and you can move him uh by all means do all right, so I have Jared Cook's consistency profile pulled up here. So he is right now, according to Mr. Bob Lung, actually tied in five. So that that worked perfectly in there with the question. Dang it! Yeah, yeah I was I was actually kind of surprised when when I when I just pulled that up there. Uh, it has him as a kind of the the tier in the tier B of tight ends. He is right there at the top of it. So he's, and or sorry, he's tier one tight end, but he's got a ranking of a B here in, in his consistency guide. So 
he he actually, from everything I'm looking at here, thinks he's going to be pretty good this year. He's actually been very consistent the past two years, according to this guy. 2016, not so much. Uh, but was top 12 in 2017 and 2018 uh, and, and has some pretty good uh, numbers here on his consistency guy. So I guess that my, I guess that's a fair. So let me just really quick, over or under on five, I think feel the easy answer there is under, but do you think he's going to go over or under uh, five there at uh, uh, for tight end next year? You know, I feel it's, you know, you've got the big three. And then most people are on Ingram and Howard. Um, I'm not sure I'm sold on, on them, but the position is, is such a train wreck. You know, anything could happen. If I had to, if, if I'm, you know, gun to my head, I'm going to say he's going to be worse than tight end five. Uh, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I, I'm too, too much gut instinct, I guess, but he just doesn't feel like he's that consistent. Uh, so I'm going to say he's going to be worse than tight end five. No, I, I'm right ahead, there with you. I don't, I don't think he will either. Write that down and get it. Hit me up after the season. No, I really don't either. I think, uh, again, a lot of that hype is coming from the fact that he, he is in New Orleans and being paired with Drew Brees, and, and they're all buying into the Jimmy Graham uh, you know, kind of hype there. But I would also say Jimmy Graham was just a better overall tight end prospect than, than Jared Cook is. And being there in New Orleans in his prime was good. Not that Jared Cook isn't in his prime, uh, but, but I, would take, uh, I would take the under as well on Cook. All right, the Atlanta Falcons, they finished second in the division last year here and really have no battles. They actually have a very good team if you go and look at it, and a very surprising team. I know this is actually one of the teams we both had. Um, I can't remember if we both put them in or not, but they are, I know we're at least on the verge of making the playoffs for both of us in 2019 because they really just are well-built on offense and defense. So quarterback, we know it's Matt Ryan. He's going to be uh, – has been a stud the past couple years. I think he's going to continue to be a top-12 quarterback this year. Wide receiver, same thing. Obviously, Julio, just a complete stud. He, he's – I guess really in the argument is one of the top wide receivers to be drafted, top three or four. You have um, Calvin Ridley, who a lot of people believe in. I'm still not sold on him, but he has uh, had a couple good games last year that really kind of boosted his fantasy value. Given another year in this offense, likely will take a step forward. Um, and then I would think, I'm, I'm going to see if you agree with me here, uh, Mohamed Sanu is probably the third best option here in Atlanta over Justin Hardy and Marcus Green. Yeah, I, I'm definitely uh, Sanu. You know, Sanu gets on the field because he does all the dirty work. So, and you can't catch the ball from the sideline. So he's definitely going to be the number three, uh, and I and potentially, uh, you know, he he can uh, if Ridley, you know, doesn't step up, take another step this year. The opportunity for uh, Sanu to hold on to his position as the number two wide receiver um, could still be there. You know, it, it's going to depend on Ridley taking that step. 
I, I do think Ridley takes that step, and Sanu is the number three receiver. Uh, then it comes down to, with with targets, you've got Sanu, you've got Hooper, you've got Devonta Freeman, and whoever the other running back is going to be. Uh, I could see Hooper and uh, Freeman kind of, or not Freeman, Hooper and and uh, Sanu battling it out for third in the, on the, the totem pole for targets. But Hooper had 88 targets last year. Sanu had 94. Ridley had 92. So, I mean, they threw the ball 604 times last year. Man, that's a lot. I mean, Julio had 170 targets. Yeah, he's always been targeted very heavily in that offense. That's that's the crazy thing about it. Julio's stats are just so good. And if he could only score more touchdowns, he would he would be the unquestioned one at wide receiver. I think for everybody, wouldn't he? You know, it, DeAndre Hopkins and Devontae Adams would get a look, but there would be no shot whatsoever, in my opinion. But Julio just doesn't score the touchdowns. I think that's the biggest knock against him. When I think he had eight last year, and I'm trying to remember when it was. But he went like nine games before he scored it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, I want to say. Was it 2016, 2015? I know he had double-digit touchdowns not that long ago, and I can't remember what it was. I want to say it was 2015 or 16, uh, just thinking off the top of my head. But he had double-digit touchdowns not too long ago, if I remember correctly. But he's Yeah, just, no, he, 2012 was his well, only double-digit touchdown year. I was thinking it was much recent. So, yeah, I mean, it's that's the problem. He just doesn't get the touchdowns, and that's what you need where all these other guys are getting, you know, 9, 10, 11, 12 touchdowns or more a year, and Julio's just not getting them, and that's what ends up hurting him in the fantasy game. Uh, you mentioned Austin Hooper. Uh, not, no real battle there with him either. He, he's the tight end there, you know, battling with Logan Polson, Eric Salbert, and, and Luke Stocker is not really a battle. It's going to be Hooper. A lot of people think he is going to take a step forward this year as well. I'm not necessarily on that train. Uh, I do think he has a chance to be a top 10 to 12 tight end, but I'm, I'm not seeing him as a as one of the best. The the real battle here, and really the only battle here in Atlanta, is that second running back spot. So we saw uh, Tevin Coleman moved on in the offseason. Edo Smith was there last year and, and performed admirably and decent when he was paired with Tevin Coleman. We know Devontae Freeman is coming back from injury and is going to be the guy, but does have an injury history, which leads again to Edo Smith, Quadri Allison, Ricky Ortiz, Brian Hill, and Ken Yon Barner. They are all going to be the guys battling out for what I would say is probably the receiving role and backup role in that backfield. How do you see that coming down is likely for most between Ito Smith and your guy, Quadri Allison. Well, I, I want Allison to win it, but it's going to come down to him getting the opportunity. You know, ito has been there. Um, he knows the system better. He's going to get every opportunity to uh, take that role. So Allison will have to outplay him. So I think Allison, at the beginning of the year, Allison is going to be battling with Brian Hill for that third running back spot. Um, so he's going to have to make a workmanlike climb up the depth chart and put himself in a position to either uh, surpass Edo Smith or... Uh, be ready if uh, Devontae Freeman gets injured. 
you know, I almost could see if, if Allison shows that he's uh, solid in the run game, I could see them maybe flipping Freeman over into that receiving back role a little bit more and giving some of the carries to Allison. You know, I think Allison is definitely out of uh, Smith and Hill and Allison. I like Allison as the runner better. And and he, admittedly, I, I, I'm team big guy and Allison is the, he's a bigger back. So he, he's got good vision, decent speed. And if, if he can take some of that pressure off Freeman, help keep Freeman healthy, uh, Freeman gets more receptions and not quite as many carries. Uh, you know, that could definitely be something that, that helps him extend his career. Uh, I feel my, my gut tells me they're going to start the season with Freeman uh, in his regular role, and Edo Smith is the, the primary backup slash 1B guy, and uh, they'll see how it shakes out and see if uh, Allison or Hill can push him. Yeah, uh, that, that's exactly how I think it's going to shake out. Uh, again, Edo Smith, before the injury, proved to be a serviceable serviceable backup for them, and, and he did play well compared with Tevin Coleman. Actually, at times, outplayed Tevin Coleman, which is why a lot of people thought Coleman would be on the move this year. I do think that he's going to get the first shot and likely will be the backup most of the year. I do like Allison a lot as well. Uh, you know, you've talked about him many times on this podcast on how good he was in college. And I do think he's going to get a shot and eventually take over that role. But I think Edo Smith is going to get it most of the year, if not all of this year, and then possibly Allison take a big step up next year. But then again, we, we have seen running backs is, is the easiest position to kind of step onto the field and make a difference. And I think we would both say that Allison is more talented than Edo Smith. And so if that's the case, he's likely going to at some point take the job away from Edo Smith. But if you were doing a redraft right now and you were trying to back up Devontae Freeman, I would take Edo Smith first. And then if you see Allison starting to make his move, drop Smith and, and, and grab Allison then. But for me, I'm right there with you. It's Smith right now, and Allison is in the wings waiting. You know, we got a great event coming up here in August on the 18th, the Fantasy Football Roundtable is going to be at the Midwest Fantasy Football Expo uh, at the Canton Cultural Center in Canton, Ohio. This is a really cool, it, this is the inaugural event put together by Bob Lung, uh, writer of the award-winning consistency guide that we frequently cite to prove me wrong. Uh, it's going to be a cool event. It starts at noon, uh, going on for about six hours. There's going to be a bunch of Great fantasy football people there, uh, sponsored by the Full-Time Fantasy Podcast Network, which we're a part of, uh, home of the Fantasy Football World Championships. Uh, Dynasty Nerds will be there, representatives from the Fantasy Footballers, Rotoviz, and a whole host of other people. The Back Row Fantasy Show, Fighting Chance Fantasy, uh, all going to be represented there at the Expo. Uh, there's going to be some really cool things, not just uh, vendor booths and us uh, trying to get you to, to subscribe to our podcast uh, and give away free shit, but there's going to be uh, a live mock draft going on with the experts, uh, different panels going to happen. I know I'm going to take part in a uh, Dynasty League strategy panel. Uh, there's going to be, a, uh, I think, a DFS panel redraft. 
uh, a bunch of different things going on that you'll be able to just grab a ton of information there and, and uh, help really help you prepare for your fantasy football season. And if you're not do, doing anything, you can also swing by the Hall of Fame. There's yeah. nothing quite like the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And more importantly, because I, I know you were mentioning all the panels and everything that, that people get information for, you can also just go up and talk to Dennis. I unfortunately won't be there, but you can still go up and, and you can mingle with Dennis. You can ask him questions about your fantasy team, and you can get live advice, not just from him, but everybody there. You can talk to all the people. That's that's the reason Bob sent set all this stuff up is for you to guys to kind of meet us in person and we can talk about fantasy football or just hang out and have a good time it's going to be a blast all the podcasts and everything that that you guys have set up there is is a great group it's going to be an all-star lineup so if any of you guys are going to be in ohio or you live near the ohio area near canton it is definitely going to be worth it it's just uh the tickets are 20 bucks and actually what what is our promo code that you can use oh yeah if you register and use promo code knights k-n-i-g-h-t-s you'll get five dollars off your uh registration yeah you can come spin the wheel of knowledge yeah, there you go. And then again, so you, now you're getting, for 15 bucks, you're getting to come in there and then talk to all these experts and then everything. Like I said, it's going to be all kinds of, of swag and everything there for you guys. It'll be well worth it. Matter of fact, I know Bob uh, has talked about how everything he's putting together, everybody who shows up and does that is going to get like a swag bag that's like got $100 worth of, of stuff in the bag alone. So you just getting there early, and even if you, like uh, Dennis said, use the code NIGHTS, $15 and you're going to get $100 worth of swag bag and everything. It's going to be well worth your time. We promise you that. The Carolina Panthers, they had um, an interesting season last year. I believe they started out, was it 7-2 and two or 3? They, they were on a roll and I believe lost like the last seven games straight. Like it, it was bad. They, they just went completely downhill. Um, a lot well, of that, Cam couldn't throw the ball anymore. And... Yeah, that's what I was about. a lot of it had to do, I would assume, with Cam's shoulder and, and how bad it really got. We don't know for sure how healthy he's going to be in 2019. There's been a lot of talk that Cam is fine. He's already throwing the ball. Everything looks good. But I would imagine we're really not going to know in, unless we see any kind of preseason games out of him, which we don't know if that will even happen because they may just try and arrest him. But there's no yeah, battle. There. They lost seven of their last eight games. Yeah, I knew it was a lie. My, my, as my brother is a huge Panthers fan. I remember talking to him about the fact that they, they were like in prime position to, to be. They were battling with the Saints, which is crazy to say right now, for that division right up until that started going down. And then they just, yeah, it, 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 was, it went bad. Uh, but there, there is no battle really with Cam Newton. He is the quarterback, at least for now. We have both talked a lot about Will Greer. I know you have been one of the people who've talked about there's actually an ability, not an ability, but a chance for the Panthers to get out of Cam Newton's contract and Will Greer possibly being the future quarterback there. I just kind of want to get your thoughts altogether on Will Greer. I know I've talked about him a lot that I like him. Uh, He was right up there as one of my top prospects in this class. I believe I had him third or fourth in this class. Uh, I like Will Greer. I do think he needs some seasoning. I don't think he's necessarily pro-ready right now. But overall, I think he is a very good quarterback. Your thoughts on Will Greer? Yeah, I think you had him right behind Tyree Jackson. Yeah, yeah. Well, hey, Tyree <laughs> Jackson still not unproven. Hey, we want to see what happens. Where did he go? Buffalo, right? He's yeah, probably not yeah. going to beat out Josh Allen, but we'll see. We'll see. Don't count out Tyree Jackson just yet. Now, I think Greer landed in a great spot. Uh, he, he's 
fairly mobile, not anywhere as near as mobile as uh, Cam Newton. He's got a good arm. Uh, threw for almost threw for just over 8,500 yards in three years in college, uh, two and a half years actually. So he, he's a really good passer. He's in a great situation to sit behind Cam, learn the NFL game, uh, and just get ready. I I feel like. He'll be able if if something if if they move on from Cam uh, coming up uh, when his contract expires, they can. Uh, I, I don't think Tyler Haneke is going to beat out Will Greer, and so to get Greer ready. So let's see. I'm looking here. So after 2019, you know there's. Only two million in dead cap for Cam Newton's contract, mm-hmm. so it, it it they could they could move on. You know, I'm not sure when his two twenty twenty contract guarantees or or tolls. You know, he's he's on the hook. They're on the hook for uh, twenty one point one million uh, if they let him if they if they don't cut him after the nineteen season. So. If Greer shows out, does pretty well. He could be a great uh, a great sleeper to step up. It's tough to move on from somebody like Cam Newton, uh, but if his shoulder ends up uh, maybe not recovering quite like they expected, uh, he's thirty years old now. You know, those his type of play being a big physical guy that runs the ball and takes a lot of hits uh, that can kind of wear a guy down, maybe make him a little bit less effective. Uh, so the, there is potentially a scenario where you could see the Panthers moving on from Cam Newton after the 2019 season. I'm not ready to say if that's a good thing or a bad thing yet. I'm just saying there's a scenario where you could see it make sense for them. Yeah, I mean, I, I personally don't think it'd be a great idea, but I cannot imagine the... Uh, I don't even know. I would imagine Carolina fans would likely be pissed off. I, I could be wrong. I know my brother. I wouldn't. I shouldn't say loves Cam Newton, but likes Cam Newton. Thinks he's a good quarterback. But just the the amount of interest I think that would surround Cam Newton if he became a free agent would be a big deal. I mean, that could really, in all honesty, change the the prospects of the twenty nineteen draft as well. Every twenty twenty draft because everybody's talking. About all these quarterbacks coming out in Tua, in Herbert, who am I forgetting in that top three? Um, goodness, from that you know everybody's talking about those three and them coming out next year because they'll they'll all likely be they'll all be able to. So the chances are they're going to. Herbert's the only one who has to because he's a senior. Um, but if you got those three coming out, and then you had Cam Newton in free agency. I mean, I, that would change everything. I think because then you. Would the Dolphins for sure go all in on a rookie quarterback, or would they try and pay Cam Newton? You've got, I'm sure, other teams we could go through uh, the list, and, and uh, I can't think of off the top of my head, but a lot of other quarterbacks. I mean, dude, just I'm throwing this out there because now you got me down the rabbit hole really quick. Could you imagine if the Panthers decide to say, you know what, thank you, Cam, for everything you've done. Uh, you've been beaten up the past couple years. You have, you've got us to one Super Bowl. We couldn't pull it off. We're just going to go ahead and let you go. We're going to go forward with Will Greer. And then the New England Patriots signed Cam Newton. Thoughts? You know, it would be a completely different offense that they would be running. So 
you know, well, <coughs> excuse me, while Belichick is uh, definitely uh, creative enough to be able to do something like that, you know, it's a situation that uh, I would be surprised if that's it. You know, I could see, you know, if Breeze retires, going to New Orleans. Uh, Daniel Jones isn't ready, so he goes to New York because Eli is clearly done. Uh, you know, Jimmy G doesn't pan out like they think he, like they thought he would, or or Ben finally decides to hang him up. You know, yeah. I mean, Washington, you know, decides that hey, Dwayne Haskins, you know, it doesn't look like he's pan. Tennessee, you know, Mariota and Tannehill. I don't want to go down this rabbit hole because there's a chance this obviously won't happen. But, yeah, it was just is interesting to me to think really quick. Like, dude, there's so many teams that could use a quarterback. And if Cam Newton – I mean, Baltimore. He be, yeah, he, he'd be the premier free agent. There'd be no doubt about that. But, um, you know, I'm right there with you. I, I don't think they make any kind of hesitant move there. Um, you know, maybe, again, his contract is up after the 2020 season, I believe, is what it was. Yep. So, I mean, uh, let me double check that. Now, I think it, he's a free agent in 2020. He's, yeah, he's got two years left two on years it, 19 and 20. So, I mean, you're, they could just let his contract ride out and then let Will Greer take over. Either, either way, it's interesting to see. Will Greer is definitely a guy. You know, I'm in a dynasty startup right now, and I actually just grabbed him. It's, it's a Debbie Dynasty League, uh, and I just grabbed him in the 23rd round. And, I mean, to me, that's great value for him because if he does end up becoming the starter in Carolina, I just got his starting quarterback in the 23rd round. Ryan Finley actually went right before him, who's who I was hoping to grab. But, uh, I mean, he right now he's going extremely late in most dynasty startup leagues, even in super flex leagues. Uh, he's a guy that you can target late and get as, a, as an upside guy who might be able to, to take over a starting spot in the next couple years. Running back position, we know it's all Christian McCaffrey all day long, but he cannot be on the field for all 100% of the snaps. So you've got Elijah Holyfield, my guy, the workout warrior, or non-warrior, depending on how you want to look at it, and, of course, Jordan Scarlett, who they also drafted higher than Elijah Holyfield. Wait, Holyfield actually didn't even get drafted. Apologize about that. Uh, but but Jordan Scarlett did. Uh, so your thoughts on those two, uh, do you think either one of them – uh, is going to get any kind of run behind McCaffrey, or is it just kind of a spell him and backup role for, for both of those guys? Well, one they're going to need to move on from Cameron Artis Payne uh, before one of them gets the opportunity, I think. So, But between Scarlett, Holyfield, and Payne, I think one of them is going to start to get a few more carries. Uh, you know, they're going to, with Cam sh- coming off the shoulder injury, they're going to try to keep him from running as much. Um, McCaffrey, while had ha- very productive last year and and really kind of carried the load, uh, what was it? What did he run for? How many carries? Whoops. It's defense. You know, he still only had 219 carries. Cam had 100 carries. Um so if they're gonna keep the keep that, if they're gonna cut Cam back and keep McCaffrey around that same number, you know you're you're looking at potentially seventy five to a hundred carries for somebody else. Uh, they divided it up between a bunch of people last year. Um, fun, 
who was it? Uh, Traveris Cadet, DJ Moore, CJ Anderson. Uh, and so there were a bunch of Curtis Samuel had a few carries, Alex Arma. So there are a bunch of people that all had between 10 and 20 carries, 25 carries. So I think it might be a smart move to try to consolidate some of that. Uh, but it's going to be Christian McCaffrey for 200, 225 carries. Cam Newton, I think they're going to want to try to cut back to 60 carries maybe, uh, preserve that shoulder so he doesn't take those hits. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I had to put my money on Cameron Artis Payne, Elijah Holyfield, or Jordan Scarlett, um, you know, Scarlett didn't have terrific production in college. Holyfield was, you know, he had some production, but he was in a situation with, honestly, just much better running backs around him. Um so I think he's got a – there's a pretty hard cap on him. Cameron Artis Payne is the same way. I think the only thing the edge Payne has is that he has uh, been there and he knows the, the system. So is Payne going to end up, again, being a weekly inactive? You know, I don't know. I, I, I think you just – you know, do you like the name Holyfield or do you like the name Scarlet better? Pick one in your rookie draft and see what happens because it doesn't get it doesn't get any more lottery ticket than that. Yeah, I mean that's what I was gonna say too. I, I, in all honesty, I wouldn't invest in any of these guys outside of McCaffrey, and you, you're gonna have to have a top three pick to get McCaffrey, anyways. Uh, I, I don't believe in, in the artist formerly known as Payne. I don't believe in as much as I love Elijah Holyfield. I need to see something out of him and Jordan Scarlett before I even think about it. Those, those are guys who are not even getting drafted in the deepest of dynasty leagues. Uh, they're likely going to be able to be picked up off the waiver wires if anything were to happen during preseason. So that's what I'd aim to get him at. If you really want to take a shot, uh, again, I, I believe in Elijah Holyfield. I think he is a decent running back. I think he got a bad rap at the Combine. Uh, I think in college he was more productive then he's been given credit for, and again, that combine really kind of hurt his stock, but it, it was a bad performance. There is no doubt about that. He's still running the 40 right now as we speak, so it, it, it yes, was that it bad. It was uh, So I cannot uh, I cannot blame anybody if they want to avoid either one of those guys uh, and, and just wait to see what happens. For the wide receiver position, we know DJ Moore and Curtis Samuel are both kind of secured in their roles there. Uh, Both, I think, are going to have really good roles and really good seasons here in Carolina. It's that third wide receiver spot that is kind of up for grabs here. So they signed Chris Hogan in the offseason, which is, I guess, kind of their big signing. I I don't know if you want to call it a big signing, but that that was the guy they kind of brought over. Jarius Wright there. Uh, Rashad Ross, Aldrick Robinson, Terry Godwin, Moe Frazier. Uh, I believe Torrey Smith is still there, but I'm not 100% sure on that one. I think his contract was up, actually. So, a- any thoughts? On, does a third wide receiver, wide receiver spot even matter in Carolina? And if it does, who do you think is going to get that spot? So, if Carolina throws zero passes to the tight end the entire season, the third wide receiver is still going to be fourth in the pecking order. So behind McCaffrey, Moore, and Samuel. Uh, 
Um, that being said, uh, I think that, you know, I, I, I feel like Torrey Smith ends up not making the team. Uh, maybe, you know, Jarius Wright's listed as their third, but it could be, you know, Hogan, Robinson, Smith, and Wright. It's just a group of veterans that honestly just don't do it. They're, they're not, none of them are going to be fantasy relevant unless you're in a super deep best ball league and you just have to start one of them on, on a bye week or you get drunk on a Saturday night and they're playing around and accidentally put one in your starting lineup. Um, I think the bigger question for me is who's going to be the number one? Is it going to be Curtis Samuel or is it going to be DJ Moore? You know, they do some similar things. Uh, you know, they both can do really good things uh, after uh, after the catch, so they're both great in the short game. Um, so I think that leaves, you know, as I circle my way back around, I think that probably leaves. Torrey Smith and Chris Hogan uh, may be a little more suited to that third wide receiver role. Uh, but there's going to be, let's see, Devin Funches left 79 targets when he he hit the road. Uh, DJ Moore had 82. Curtis Samuel had 65 and only eight starts. Uh, Moore only started 10 games. So... I expect Samuel and Moore both to go across 100 targets. You know, I don't expect either one of them probably to get more than 120. Uh, McCaffrey had 124 targets last year. So, again, it's it's kind of like Atlanta uh, or the Saints where we were talking that it's a very top-heavy uh, yeah. unit for fantasy production. Yeah, I agree with you. If, if anybody, I'm taking a shot on Chris Hogan. He, he's proven it. I, I like Torrey Smith, but coming back, his age, that injury, I don't see it. Uh, I would take a late, late flyer on Chris Hogan. Um, and just to answer your question on the number one, I think it is going to be DJ Moore. He's just slightly bigger than Curtis Samuel. I believe at like six foot two ten compared to Samuel's 5'11", 195, I believe are their measurables. Uh, I just think Samuel is perfectly suited for the slot there. I think he can be more dangerous. Um, don't know – I don't know who I would pick out of those two to have the better season. I think they're going to be relatively close in fantasy production. Um, I think maybe more just based on him possibly getting a better shot at touchdowns when it comes down to the red zone. I can see them going to him over Curtis Samuel. But I think Curtis Samuel is just a tad bit more explosive yak-wise but also he struggles with injuries a little bit more than we've seen so far from DJ Moore. So, But I think both are, are very well suited for Cam Newton and that offense. I can see, again, as, as we've both been saying, both of them having a huge year. Uh, and then for me, Chris Hogan as a deep, deep, deep sleeper and possible you know, wide receiver four or five in fantasy at the third, at the third spot for the Carolina Panthers. Right. The, the last one, is the tight end's not really a battle. We know Chris, I was going to call him Chris Olsen for some reason, geez. Uh, Greg Olsen is coming back. However, he has dealt with just some really bad foot injuries the past couple years, and Ian Thomas is definitely the future. 
If you have a shot to grab Ian Thomas, grab him. I, I do think Greg Olson is going to get the starting job and likely be the starter, but I would not be surprised if Ian Thomas outsnaps and targets him this year. Uh, I don't know if I would say Ian Thomas breaks out this year, but I do think after this year he is going to be the clear starter there in Carolina and, and going to be a top 12 I think he has the ability to be a top 12 tight end in the future, probably, though, not until 2020. Your thoughts on, on Olsen and Thomas? Well, Ols- Olsen had 38 targets in nine games with nine starts, and Thomas had 49 targets in 16 games with six starts. <clears throat> I, I believe the future is now. I think uh, Olsen is a, a good tight end. But I also think that Thomas, is he's young, he's eager, he's going to push. He showed last year that when thrust into the situation that the game was not too big for him. And, and I think having a full off season to refine some of the things that uh, he had challenges with, uh, he's going to be ready to go this year. Uh, I can I agree with you. I think they may give Olsen the ceremonial starts, maybe bring him in in two tight end sets closer to the goal line uh, where he can uh, you know maybe catch more touchdown passes than Thomas, uh, which isn't good for Thomas if you're a fantasy owner. But uh, I, I definitely see of the almost 90 targets uh, between the two of them last year, I could see it see it split 60-30 this year. All right, the last team here in the NFC South, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who, while having a horrible season last year, actually had a fairly decent offseason in the landing of Bruce Arians, someone that everybody is excited about because he has – since his days in Pittsburgh, Indianapolis, and Arizona produced a lot of fantasy value. No battle here at QB. We do know that Jameis Winston will be the starter. However, this is his last year under contract with the Buccaneers. Do you think he is the solution for the Buccaneers at quarterback? I think he's the solution as long as uh, Bruce Arians is there. Bruce Arians has a little bit of Mike Martz in his demeanor, you know. All right, you threw an interception. Screw it. We got it. Let's put it behind you. Let's go. Mm-hmm. I, it's great you tried to make a play. I appreciate it. Let, let's let's go on to the next play. You know, we had a turnover. Defense, get out there. Well, their defense isn't going to be great this year. Uh, so the offense is definitely going to be throwing the ball. They're going to have to put up some numbers if the team wants to uh, if the team wants to be competitive. It's, it's going to essentially fall on uh, Jameis's shoulders to keep them in games. So uh, is he the answer? I think he is from the standpoint of uh, he's got the arm, he's got the understanding, he's got the guts. He knows how to play quarterback in the NFL. Uh, but I think if you're going to be looking for one of those, you know, 35 touchdown, eight interception seasons from Jameis Winston, 
you're going to just keep driving yourself crazy. That's just not his game. He's going to he'll throw 35 touchdowns, 40 touchdowns, but he's going to throw 15, 16, 17, maybe 20 interceptions too <laughs> because he's not afraid to take a chance. Yeah, uh, I'm I'm not as sold on Winston that he's going to be the answer there. Uh, he has it's been reported that he has a great uh, relationship with Bruce Arians. Uh, he's known him before even him coming over here. He's always kind of thought of Bruce Arians as a father figure. I hope it works out. You, d- you don't want to see anybody kind of fail. You know, the same thing with Marcus Mariota, who is his, uh, you know, kind of running mate there, the the one and two in that draft class. Uh, you know, I hope it does work out for him. I actually think he's going to have a really good year in fantasy. We, we've seen quarterbacks in Bruce Arians' offense just light it up. You know, he's not Big Ben. He's not Kurt Warner. But he is a very good fantasy asset. We've seen it. I would not be surprised if Winston finishes in the top 12 at all. Matter of fact, I think he will finish as a top 12 quarterback this year. But if he does that, then I would imagine he's going to be the answer for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But I'm not sure or sold on that right now for them. The running back position is also a very interesting question. Now, I already know which way you're going to go, or at least I know the one option that's already eliminated for you. You may not go the, the, the way I think, but obviously you have Peyton Barber and Ronald Jones there who have been fighting it out the past two seasons, or last season and now this season. Uh, and then they brought in Bruce Anderson as a, uh, a rookie this year. Your thoughts on how that backfield shapes up between those three? Well, Bruce Arians likes to have his running backs be a little bit bigger and be able to um, be very versatile. Aside from being dynamic, Peyton Barber kind of fits that mix or that, that description. You know, Ronald Jones has the dynamics, but he's not a good pass receiver and he doesn't have good vision uh, and he doesn't have good contact balance. Uh, Bruce Anderson is, I think, somewhere in the middle of the two of them. I think he's, he's not as dynamic or, or just as outright fast as Ronald Jones, um, but I don't think he's quite the, uh, he isn't, he, you know, he's re- reputedly a good pass catcher, but at South Dakota State or North Dakota State, whichever one it was he played at, you know, they didn't throw the ball to him a lot. When they did, and in like senior ball practices and stuff, he looked very natural catching the ball and running routes out of the backfield. So there's there's been a lot of good press on him. Um, but again, he didn't get drafted, so it, it wasn't it wasn't like they were beating a path to his door uh, to get the small school guy. Um, I, I would be surprised if I think it ends up being like a you know a 60 20 20 split 60 percent Barber 20 Jones and 20 Anderson until somebody shows that they can take it over uh, I just think Barber has probably the best mix of skills and going into last season he was he averaged four yards a carry over his career. Uh, last year was 3.7. I was disappointed in his season last year. Uh, I expected a little bit more from him, but uh, you know, I didn't expect him to have you know to be like Nick Chubb or anything. But I did expect him to you know have a little better productivity. 
my money's on Barber, but it any and if any of the three of them took seventy percent of the snaps this year, it wouldn't surprise me one bit. Yeah, so I was trying to look up his one year in Indianapolis because he didn't have a, a full down back. He was Vic Ballard. Uh, just to kind of prove a point, Vic Ballard, not a guy who uh, I would honestly compare him very well to um, uh, Peyton Barber. I, I don't think that that's an unfair comparison to make. No, not at all. Uh, Vic Ballard actually had a pretty good year in Indianapolis. That was the year that Chuck Pagano uh, was dealing with his, um, I can't remember what it was, uh, but he, he was dealing with cancer and was out. For most of the year, Bruce Arians ran that team, and Vic Ballard had a good year. I don't disagree with what you're saying. I think Bruce Anderson is kind of the distant third here, in my opinion. Now, does that mean that he'll stay there? No, uh, but I don't see him coming in and playing a big role right off the bat. I think it's going to, again, and maybe this is just my Ronald Jones love coming out, I think it's going to be more of a 50-50 split than most other people. Peyton Barber, when it comes to the receiving game, is still a fairly dynamic weapon. He, he can catch the ball, and he's better at it than Ronald Jones. That, that's not hard to admit or you know, see, you can just watch that very easy with your eyes. Stevie Wonder can see that, that, that Peyton Barber is a better receiver, can do more with the ball than, than, uh, than my goodness, Ronald Jones. There we go. But Ronald Jones, I think, is the more superior, talented running back. He has the ability to make big plays, break big plays. He is a, in my opinion, dynamic running back. I would not be surprised if he finally gets his shot with Bruce Arians. He, I think was kind of unfairly used last year. Uh, he had he was the worst running back when it came to getting hit behind the line of scrimmage. And some may say that that's based on him, or it could be the fact that Tampa Bay had a horrible offensive line last year. That team all around was just not good last year. I cannot put all of that on Ronald Jones. Is some of it on Ronald Jones? Absolutely. He is not quite the prospect that I thought he was going to be, but I still think that he is a good running back prospect. I've said many a times I think he still has the ability to be a high-end to middle-tier running back, too, if given the ability, and I think this is finally the year that happens. The only bad thing about that is he is being drafted ahead of Peyton Barber and quite by a lot. I can't remember exactly what it was when we were talking about it a couple episodes ago. Um, I believe it was with Chris Foster, but he was being drafted easily five to six rounds ahead of Peyton Barber. At that cost, I would take Peyton Barber in a redraft league. In a dynasty league, though, I'd take Ronald Jones because I think he has the staying power. Let's see here. Wide receiver. So, we know Mike Evans... Top 10, 12, 8, 5, whatever you want to put him at wide receiver. He's not going anywhere. Everybody's on the Chris Godwin train. Uh, they all think he's going to break out this year. My mom, who knows nothing about fantasy football, knows that Chris Godwin is going to break out this year. That That's a running joke in the fantasy football community. Cause everybody well, she, he's she's who out. told me. Oh, is she? Well, see, there you go. So, so now you know, too, Chris Godwin is going to break out this year. So, 
The third wide receiver wide receiver position spot is very interesting to me because I actually think all four of these guys, or really three of them, have a shot to do something. And in an offense that's likely going to throw the ball a lot with Bruce Arians and Jameis Winston, any one of these guys could be a viable wide receiver three to four in fantasy. Justin Watson, who they drafted last year, Prashad Perryman, who they brought over in free agency, and then Anthony Johnson and Demarcus Lodge, both free agent rookie pickups this year. Your thoughts on how that third wide receiver role might shake out for the Bucks? Well, I I think that uh, Brashad Perriman in three wide receiver sets, you're going to have Evans and Perriman on the outside with Godwin in the slot. <clears throat> in two wide receiver sets, uh, I think it's going to come down to what package they're running as to whether it's going to be Perriman or Godwin out on the field. Uh, I would give the edge to Godwin probably, uh, but Perriman is going to, Definitely, in my opinion, I think he's going to be the number three guy. Uh, another guy to watch out for in the slot is Justin Watson uh, out of Penn State. He's going into his second year, bigger guy. Um, not super fast, but uh, a good pass catcher. He's Him and Demarcus Lodge, I think, uh, are pretty similar in their skill sets. Uh, Anthony Johnson and... You know, they're, Lodge, Watson, and Johnson are all going to be wrestling for that 4-5 slot. It wouldn't surprise me if Johnson ends up on the practice squad. Um, I think Scott Miller, who was uh, another draft pick there in Tampa, is going to make the team because of his special teams play. So then it comes down to how many, how many, play, how many wide receivers are you going to have active. Uh, we already know they're going to have both tight ends, Brayton Howard. Uh, they're going to have probably at least three running backs, maybe four if they still have Ellington there. Um, from the that third wide receiver spot is, in in my opinion, it is uh, Brashad Perriman's to lose, um, and if Perriman continues to progress like he has the past couple years he could be somebody that is in for a you know sixth year brandon lloyd style <laughs> breakout well perriman did not have a bad lead, bad year last year with baker mayfield once he kind of got on the field and they got they got a connection started going yeah he actually looked pretty good uh, i'm with you i think perriman is going to get that spot i like watson and johnson a lot but i I'd be hesitant to say either one of them does anything this year. Johnson is a guy I was big on. I, I know you were a fan of him as well coming out of Buffalo. Uh, rookie, uh, obviously didn't get drafted, so that is going to hurt him a little bit. Uh, but he's a guy I would not be surprised in showing something at the end of this year or possibly even next year. He's a guy I, I think is worth stashing. Watson got a lot of love last year, and, the, and when he got drafted to Tampa Bay, a lot of people thought he had a chance to break out. I know you actually – we did a trade earlier this offseason that sent Watson to you. Um, so I, I would imagine you you have a little bit of faith in him as well. I, I liked him. That's why I took him last year in, in the rookie draft we were in. Uh, but I think it's Paramin's job to lose. Then if I had to rank them, it would be in the order that I read them in Watson, Johnson, Lodge being the last guy. Uh, but Johnson, for me, is a guy I would stash very late if you can. Even if you got a taxi squad, throw him on there because I, I do think he has a chance to, to bust out here um, within the next couple years. 
Yeah, and he's another one of those big backs. It's, you know, we're going to come down, I think, or big wide receivers, 6'2", 209. We're, we're going to see here, you know, I, I often reference uh, Guy Benjamin and James Lofton and Willie Totten and Jerry Rice. You know, I think Anthony Johnson is going to show us that uh, the Buffalo offense was him, not Tyree Jackson. So. I, I don't disagree with that. In my write-up on Anthony Johnson, that's what I said. And that, that's why, I, in all honesty, I think he's a great fit there for Tampa Bay because Jameis Winston, while not an inaccurate thrower like Tyree Jackson, at times can have balls sail on him, and Anthony Johnson can go up and make that catch much like Mike Evans does, which is why I would not be surprised if Anthony Johnson doesn't carve out a role for himself in this offense sooner rather than later. But I, I'm with you. It is Prashad Perriman's role right now. You mentioned the tight ends. Everybody is on O.J. Howard. Uh, They all think this is finally his year to break out. He was looking good last year before the injury, yet Cameron Brait has always been Jameis Winston's guy. He's always produced and looked like a really good tight end when Jameis Winston was on the field. So is Brait going to get pushed aside finally here in 2019 and let O.J. Howard, and I shouldn't say let, but is this going to be the year that he is pushed aside and O.J. Howard steals Steals the show and becomes the tight end one in Tampa Bay. Well, O.J. Howard has to show he can stay healthy for the whole season. Uh, He's going into his third year, and he's missed time both years. Uh, Brait missed time last year as well. Uh, Looking here, it looks like he missed the whole. No, let's see. No, he didn't miss. Uh, He was played all 16. Um, O.J. Howard is... You know, it's like Ebron and Doyle. Mm-hmm. O.J. Howard is uh, Eric Ebron. He's a physical specimen. He's uh, athletic. He's faster. Uh, Bray's a good tight end. He's he's like Doyle. He's going to line up on the end of the line, and if you need 10, he's going to get you 11. And if you need a touchdown and from inside the 20, he's one of Winston's favorite targets down there. So it, it's a situation where uh, the two of them, it, for fantasy purposes, it could really be tough to be uh, a, an investor in the Tampa Bay tight end because Howard has that, ta- that athleticism that you look for in a top-tier tight end, but he's gonna, for him to get the opportunity share, he he has to hold off Cameron Brait, and and they they like Brait. Uh, uh, I was looking at an article um, about uh, another team, and they were talking about uh, the new regime. Well, it turns out that when I looked a little deeper into it, the new regime uh, was a GM that had been there for like five years. It was just a new head coach. And so the GM that drafted Cameron Bray to Tampa is still in Tampa. Yeah. Uh, they've got a new coach. You know, th- that GM also drafted O.J. Howard, but he also just extended Cameron Bray with a pretty nice contract. So I, I, if I'm drafting him, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to draft uh, Howard. Howard is going to be the one I draft first, but Bray's probably more likely to be on my team because I'm probably not going to draft Howard uh, at his ADP. 
Yeah, I think that's the perfect way to look at it. I mean, Howard, I think, is going to be given the opportunity. Uh, I, I actually think Cameron Brait has a chance to be traded, as crazy as that may seem. I think uh, his contract now is a little bit more team-friendly than it was last year. A very good tight end. If, if a team is looking for a tight end, I would not be surprised if they move on from him and give Howard the role. Uh, but I think Howard is going to be given every shot to earn it and be the guy, and I would not be surprised if he does it and, and c- does kind of relegate Cameron Brait to the bench, but I'm right there with you. I probably won't own Howard anywhere because he's just going way too high. He's being drafted as a top four or five tight end, and I'm not going to draft him that high. Uh, I, I really do. I'm right there with you. I need to see it before I'm going to draft him that high. I just think he's got too much bust potential. Yeah, O.J. Howard is going as tight end four. Oh, even worse. Currently on Fantasy Pros. So where's Bright? Bright might not even be going. Let me see here. Oh, there he is. Uh, Tight end 37. I mean, I guess if you really want him for the upside, you can take him there, but I would probably just avoid both. Yeah, I mean, at tight end 37, or where I'm drafting there, I'm probably going to take someone like uh, Jordan Thomas in Houston. Yeah. You know, maybe Josh Oliver in Jacksonville, C.J. Uzoma even, or even Ricky Seals-Jones is there as well, and he could potentially – uh, be listed as a tight end, but playing a wide receiver spot there in Arizona. All right. Well, that's going to do it for our NFC South camp battle. So we um, now it's time to do the Knights of the Round Table draft order. In 2019, 10 random people came together to form the Knights of the Fantasy Football Roundtable. They challenged the host of this program in deep fantasy battle. In hopes of dethroning one of these hosts and proving that they themselves are the best in all fantasy the fight will rage on through the entire 2019 season. Will one of these 10 owners be able to dethrone the host? Or will the host end up ruling the day once again? I know these guys have been waiting for this for a long time, so we're finally going to do it. So I've got all 12 names put in here in a randomizer right now. I have yet to hit the button so that we can uh, do this all together. So just just to go in roll or in order of the people of when they were put in the league, Jonathan, Ricky, Ty, Ben, Blake, Cody, Jack. Um, I can't remember what his first name is, so you're in here as D. Brown. I apologize about that. Jerry, 5- Derek, I believe. Derek, gotcha. Derek, Jerry, 509er, and then Dennis and me as the last two. So here we go. Generating draft order now, and interesting. All right, so we have the order. I will screenshot it now, 
and it will be posted in the chat, but I will read off. This was done by, uh, what side is this here? The draft order generator. So number one pick goes to Blake. So congratulations. I believe in the chat he was talking about the other day wanting a top three pick. You got it, buddy. Number two goes to you, Dennis. So congratulations on that. Number Damn it, Matt. I told you I wanted 11. <laughs> Well, I apologize. I'm I'm not thrilled with my pick either. If that makes you if that makes you feel any better, five oh nine er, you've got the third pick. Cody, you are pick four. Derek, you got pick five. Ty got pick six. I got pick seven. I was hoping for something further back or further up. I hate being in the middle of the draft, so that is not going to be fun. Ben, you got pick eight. Ricky, you are pick nine. Jack at pick ten. Jerry at pick 11, and Jonathan got pick 12, which I think is a great landing spot and, and a great spot for him. So that is the draft order, guys. I will, again, have it posted um, in the chat as well here uh, probably sometime tomorrow. I will let this episode go live, give everybody, obviously, a chance to listen to it, and then we'll post this in there, and then we'll start getting everything in order. Again, I, I can't wait for this draft. It's, it's going to be a lot of fun. Especially if, if it goes anything like the mock, it's going to be going to be very good. Uh, Dennis, you had one thing you wanted to talk about um, here as well with the Scott Fishbowl stuff here before we cut out of here. So the mic is yours. Yep. So I, you know, the Scott Fishbowl. If you're on Twitter at all, you're probably tired of hearing about it because uh, everybody, all 1,200 members of the Scott <laughs> Fishbowl, uh, seem to be posting about it about every other minute. Um, but the draft began yesterday. Uh, leading into that, starting at noon this past Sunday, uh, Sal Lido, uh, Kevin Cotillo, and Stephen Marcus from the Fantasy Football Funhouse hosted the second annual Scott Fishbowl Potathon. They raised over $6,000 that gets donated directly to Fantasy Cares. Last year, Fantasy Cares raised over $44,000 uh, for Toys for Tots. That they used to really brighten uh, the holiday season for a lot of kids across the country. Um, if you have not uh, or didn't get a chance to catch uh, the the potathon, it was broadcast on YouTube. Uh, you can go to the uh, SFB potathon. Just YouTube search it; it'll show up. Also, if you go to Clipcast app. They uh, recorded it all, and you can actually search uh, through it uh, and find clips about people. Clipcastle, you can type in a player name or a podcast name or uh, a, a particular host, you know, Matthew Berry or, uh, you know, Matthew Bruning or uh, Jeremy Barker, and, and it'll bring you the clips that the uh, about these people or these people are talking it's a pretty cool app um but if you weren't able to catch it you can you know sit at your desk throw it on like a, a podcast uh play it back and just listen that you know they went for 25 hours and closed it out with a hitman mike wright from the fantasy footballers uh you can go to fantasycares.net uh, and donate directly to fantasy cares um but get out there and make a difference. Fantasy football is about fun, uh, and there's there's nothing more fun than helping kids have a great Christmas. 
I agree. And I mean, even if it's something you can't do now, I, I, I strongly encourage uh, something I do in a lot of my leagues. Uh, if you win it, donate some of your winnings to charity or even put that in your league rules that whatever you're buying is some of that goes to a charity of the winner's choice every year. So the winner... You know, it, it can be a different charity every year, but uh, I strongly advise it. I know we've seen a lot of that lately, and it's really cool to see um, people posting on Twitter right after their championships are finished, you know, thanking the, the player that helped them get there and then them donating some of their winnings to that player's charity. Uh, that's a great way to go about handling your winnings because, again, th- this game is for fun. Really, we are not doing anything uh, when it comes to the fantasy football stuff. I mean, yeah, you have to plug in your lineups and all that stuff and guess right at times, but it, it's the players and everything they are doing that, and you're winning some money out of it. it it's always nice to, to give back and, and help people out. And, and what everything Scott does and the Scott Fishbowl Potathon with Sal and all them that did is, is amazing and, and giving to that. And, again, I'm, I'm going to imagine everybody that's listening to this are adults or or people of age that can do it and make a difference do it because those toys mean so much to those kids and to be able to give kids that don't have the ability to have a christmas a christmas is is an amazing feeling whether you're there not to see it uh it's an amazing thing for them so i agree with everything dennis said and and if you guys have even if it's only a couple bucks uh, you know if everybody puts in a couple bucks it adds up and it matters so i I strongly encourage everybody to do that and and we appreciate anybody who does so dennis thank you obviously so much for joining me uh today talk about the nfc camp battles we'll be back Uh, with an episode later this week to do, I think, the NFC East or West. I'm not 100% sure which one, but one of those two we will will do. Before we cut out of here, uh, anything new going on with the Nerd Herd, and obviously where can we find you on Twitter? Well, I am at Culture underscore Coach on Twitter. Um, You know, the Nerd Herd's going to be rolling out a new mock draft uh, application for the Nerd Herd members. Uh, So if you're not in, get in. $2.99 a month is a... Sweet deal, cheap as, cheaper than a cup of coffee. Um, got some great new uh, items coming out with uh, uh, one of our writers, Ray uh, Garvin. He's been putting out uh, his Nerd Notes uh, Devi product, which is uh, he's doing a film breakdown uh, of, of different Devi players. Uh, Jerry Judy was his last one. It's a pretty cool thing. Um, you know, we're just working on putting out a couple articles a day, uh, tightening up uh, everything, and just staying productive, trying to get through this dead season. Got a couple more uh, 32 and 32 articles before we finish up with that. Um, let's, really looking forward to uh, getting through the Scott Fish Bowl draft, and then we've got the Midwest Expo, and then the Fantasy Football World Championships, and Damn, then you know, then we're in season. Holy cow! Yeah, yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be a lot of fun for sure. So, Dennis, thank you, thank you so much again for joining me, and looking forward to talking to you about some more camp battles in a couple days. Right on. Prepare for glory. I don't know if you got your popcorn ready. Do you got your popcorn ready? I came out the womb ready. And he's hit the end zone for an unbelievable touchdown. I would be honored. Throw it up above his head. They can't jump with me. Golly. Oh, they tackle him at the point of Who can make a play? I can. Who can make a play? I can. <laughs>